0: So we're going to look at a few things here. The first one we're going to look at is God loves the world. So in, in John 3, 16, I just quoted it, and now, for God so loved the world. It's different, guys. When you get up in front of people, your, your brain kind of blinks out sometimes, so um, it's fun. Uh, y'all should try it sometimes. But no matter how bad the world seems to be messed up, God loves it. Um, I have a question for you. And that this didn't happen this year in 2020, one of those things that probably didn't happen this much. But have you ever been in the mall um, when there's a Santa there, and a kid comes up there, and the Santa asks the kid the question, have you been good this year? And a lot of times the kids will pause because they know, eh, maybe not exactly good Santa, and, but they don't want to say it because if they're afraid if they say it, they may not, may not get something that they want. The newsflash, and not fake newsflash, but a real newsflash is we are all messed up. Um, this perfect gift that God gave us, he loved the world because of it, no matter how messed up it is. He knows what we need. Um, another funny story in the Harrison household, this is when uh, uh, we were driving around the country. You know, have you ever had your kids make a Christmas list? And so we're driving around the country, and Julie and I in the front seat, and we're asking, well, I think we only had two children at that time. And we're like, what do y'all want for Christmas? And Drew says, I want fake grass. And we had no idea. Fortunately, Julie had seen that somebody had put AstroTurf on top of their um, concrete as they go into their house. And so he just looks out the window and thinks, that's what I want because that looks so wonderful. It was was funny for us. We still talk about that. Um, But we think sometimes we know best what we want. But what we really need is a remedy for our sin. And that's what Jesus Christ is. God created this world through Jesus Christ. He loves this world. And he provided the perfect gift for this world because what we really need is him. We may think we need other things, but what we really need is him. Um, In this giving of Jesus and loving the world... I wanna talk a little bit about what that might have looked like. Um, in 2020, I think one thing is for certain, a lot of people's traditions that they have at their house, it's gonna change. The get-togethers aren't happening as much as, they, as we wanted them to. Um, so I don't know if you look back with your kids and your family traditions, and if you look back too, sometimes traditions change whenever there's a change in the family. You bring somebody in new, um, people get married and you have the dynamic of a, a married household trying to do two Christmases, but a lot of things that change traditions as you go along, and another change sometimes, and one of the most difficult ones sometimes, is when somebody in the family uh, passes away that year and you spend that first Christmas without them, and so that, 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 that fellowship that seems perfect at Christmas and those traditions that seem perfect sometimes get perfect, and for us that's sometimes that's painful. Um, but I want to kind of talk about what, what it meant when God loved the world and he, he gave us his perfect gift. So Jesus Christ, who is God, the Holy Spirit, who is God, and God the Father, they've existed together forever in perfect fellowship and perfect union. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is a way in which God has tried to let us understand who he is and how we can, but they're one, we call it a trinity. And so when Christ came in very humble Terms and he, and he came uh, in a manger and he lived on this earth and then he eventually, he eventually came to the cross. What did he say on the cross that just got, that kind of confuses people sometimes when he is God but he says, My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? At you know, he was in the garden of Gethsemane, he's praying, he's you know, he's praying earnestly and intensely for this cup to pass from him. He knew the plan a long time ago. They made the pl- when they made the earth, they had the plan on how to redeem the earth. But there was this moment when, when, when he knew that that perfect union, that it existed forever momentarily and was going to be disrupted because God cannot look upon sin and Christ became sin on the cross for us. So when God loves the world and he gave a son, he broke up a perfect union for a moment so that all the sin and everything that we do wrong that needed a payment could be made. And that's, so, so you can think about that in terms of what you might give up to get the perfect Christmas, or what you might give up to help somebody else. He gave up the perfect fellowship that existed forever for us. Um, let's, uh, let's turn over and let's read some more scripture here. Um, John 14, 1 through 6 here. Let me turn over here and I'll read this with you. It says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in me, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you so. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way way you, you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And this is the verse I really want to call attention to. Verse 6 is, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Um, God loves us, and and, and he loves the world, and he gave us Jesus. And by giving us Jesus, he gave us a path to him, he gave us a path to eternal life. He gave us a path to have peace on earth. Um, he is the only way. And, that, and if you have friends, sometimes that's a difficult thing to say nowadays. Um, because you want to love the people that you work with. You want to love the people that you're going to share Christmas dinner with. Or you're going to Zoom Christmas, whatever you decide to do. You love them and you don't want to ostracize them. And so the world has really got us thinking that there's many ways to God. God actually loves the world; it says so there in John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, why would God send, or, or, or why would God send anyone to hell? Why would God let anyone go to hell? Well, He provided a path, and He provided a unique path, and that path is Jesus Christ. And so, I'm not, I'm not saying it's easy. Because I've been there on airplanes and I've been there on, 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 on different places where you're talking about the many different avenues to Christ and people who profess to be evangelicals. But if you really love someone in some way or another through the strength of the Holy Spirit, you have to pronounce to them, well, Jesus really is the only way to some life after this life that we have here on earth. And um, uh, uh. We do, we do our friends a disservice if we don't, if we don't tell them that, that uh, Christ is the only way. Um, and he prepares the way. Uh, he, so God loves us, and he loves us perfectly. Um, another, another question that could be asked this year, um, Julie and I watched the, uh, the hockey movie The Miracle. How many of y'all have seen that movie in the 70s whenever the hockey team beat the Russians and won the gold medal? It's a good movie. It's a good movie, um, but uh, in the beginning of that movie, it you, you see people standing. You still you see people uh, in in lines for gasoline. Do y'all remember? In the those are, who are old as me remember, long long lines to get three and four dollar a gallon gasoline, and they were rationing it. They had the even odd thing for a little while in some places of the U.S. And uh, on top of all that, um, we had. Um, a tragedy that took place, you know, we had the uh, hostages that t- got taken in Iran, if y'all remember that, you know, the news now is all about a couple of things, but the news then had a count up every day that the hostages were there, and it was over 400 that we had, so the world's been messed up before is what I'm trying to say, um, and so God loves us perfectly, you might ask the question, why don't he just fix everything? <laughs> It's, it would be a lot easier if God just say, you know what? This COVID thing, it's done. I'm fixing it. This whole election thing, I'm done. I'm fixing it. When we ask that question, in addition to really saying, God, just make us a bunch of robots down here and just tell us what to do, which is not what he created, what we're really doing is we're saying, God, you're the problem. You're the reason this is all messed up because you just won't fix it. And that shifts the blame from us being the problem. Julie and I were talking the other day and she was doing a Bible study. She said, you know what? Adam and Eve only really had one thing they could do wrong. One thing. They just didn't, weren't supposed to eat the fruit. What kind of temptations do we have and how many different things do we do wrong? It is, we are the problem. We are the ones that have messed up this world. We are the ones that caused the world to groan for Christ, to want His return. Um, And so... He loves us perfectly by having a perfect son come and live a perfect life to make the perfect sacrifice that none of us could make. So he loves us perfectly. And, and Jesus Christ is the evidence of that. Um, so, God loves us. The second thing I want to kind of talk about a little bit, and we've talked about it a little, a little bit already, is God gave us Jesus' His only begotten son. Now, I'm not so good with the Greek but I really wanted to t- look at this. This is monogenes, I think is how you pronounce that. That's a word for begotten. It's used a few times in Scripture, about seven or eight times in the New Testament. And uh, there are people who say, well, if he was begotten, if Jesus was born, then he can't be God. If that was his point in time where he created. And they overlook the verses in John, like John 1.1, 1, 1, where it talks about the word being begotten. Um, In the beginning and making it. And then uh, John chapter 1. And I'm going to flip over here and actually read this. John chapter 1 verses 9 through 14. If you want to turn over there real quick, you can. And this this is the first chapter of John. John's always talked about the word being with God in the beginning. So that was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his children did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to be the children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, not of the will of flesh, nor of the will of the man, of man but of God. And verse 14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten, of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. So, in the 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 word, monogynous, man, uh, means basically one of a kind or one set apart from others, and so and this is this is the same type of it was used in the Hebrews to to, to, to talk about Isaac being the begotten of Abraham. Abraham had many sons, but he only had one that the promise was given to. So that one son stood out among the other ones. We, we already read there in verse uh, uh, 12 and 13, we, when we accept Christ and we bow the knee to him and he saves us and, and, he, and we make him Lord of our life, we become sons of God. We don't become Jesus, though. There is a distinction. So, the, so that's when, it's, when, when, when in John three sixteen when you see the word begotten, it's talking about the one that's different. It doesn't mean that he was born and created in, in, in Bethlehem. That's not the beginning of Jesus. Jesus has always been. He was there in the beginning, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among men. So, um, that that's something that we need to understand. That um, there's two aspects of that. I would like for you to understand in this this messed up world. Is one, Jesus' beginning didn't happen in in, in Bethlehem. Jesus' beginning has always been. He's always been with God. Um, But second is, when we become sons of God, we don't become. There's no way we can become Jesus. So we still worship, uh, we still worship him. Um, praise the Lord that he's always been and that he was perfect and he lived a perfect life so that we can have salvation through him. Um, that makes um, this next one kind of easy to understand. Jesus saves. Um, that used to be what was on the bumper stickers in the 70s and 80s, Jesus saves. That, that was a simple message that uh, most um, bumper stickers said about Jesus. Verse fifteen in John three sixteen, the one before that, um, says that uh, uh, Jesus is trying to explain to Nicodemus the idea of looking at looking at Jesus to save. Um, he, he talks about an Old Testament story when the children of Israel, who had been delivered out of captivity after years and years of slavery, Jesus brought them out through the Red Sea. I, most of y'all know the story. Many of y'all have seen the movies, but it's you know the story of. Jesus, uh, The story of God delivering um, the children of Israel. Moses, they get into on their path. It didn't take them long to start complaining. And they complained and serpents came in there and they bit them. God kind of get their attention here a little bit. And he's like, Moses, take a snake, put it on a stick and raise the snake, snake up. The cure for their sickness is looking upon who I, what I chose to, to, to save them. And when Jesus Christ was raised upon the cross, that's the same symbolism that, that Jesus is trying to give Nicodemus. Our sins brought us into a point where we're going to die. And I'm not talking just physical death. I'm talking about eternal separation from Christ. It's a very simple message. If you want, to, if you want eternity, if you want peace on this earth in here, maybe not on the outside, but if you want peace on the inside, simply look at the one who hung on the tree It's a very, very simple message that God, in John 3, 16, and and that whole chapter of John, he was trying to make it as easy for Nicodemus to understand as possible. So, Jesus saves. He's the only one that saves. He's the only one that gives us a path to Christ. We have to bow the knee to the cross, though. We are not robots. He's not going to force a salvation down our throats. He comes to us. The Spirit Spirit works in your heart, and, and... the only thing we can do is just bow the knee and say, "God, I surrender." Yeah. So, He saves. And, I've, and 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 the next point of the sermon is God gave Himself on the God gives Himself. Um, so let's look at John ten fourteen. We will we'll flip back over to John ten. Let's look at fourteen through eighteen. It Says, "I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep." And am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, they, them also I must bring. And they will hear my voice, and they will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore, my Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down Of myself. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it up again. This command I received from my Father." The Jews are the ones who wanted Christ on the cross. The Jews didn't take Christ's life. Our sin demanded a payment, and that payment was made in Christ, but we did not throw Christ on the cross. He had the plan. He willingly sacrificed his own life. Um, the, it says um, in John fifteen thirteen. You don't have to turn over there right now, but this is this is one of those simple truths in Scripture. Greater love has no man had for another one than to lay down his life for somebody else. That that's just that's a principle. That's that's a that that's something that happens whether you're a Christian or whether you're not a Christian on this earth. You cannot show love for anybody else more than willingly sacrificing your life to save the life of others. We hear a lot of those stories and, and whenever we're at war and you know, people jump on grenades. And, and unfortunately, some of the shootings that we've had over the past decade or so, you hear stories about people protecting someone, giving up their own life for somebody else. There is no greater love that you can do for someone. And that's what Christ did for us. He didn't have to do that. But he chose to lay his own life down. And, he, and when he laid his own life down, he made, made sure he, he told his disciples, and for us to read later, I have the power to raise it again. Um, and uh, let me get my right page here. Because without, without Jesus having the power to raise himself up and demonstrate his power over death, his death would have been in vain. It would have been a nice thing but there's a lot of people who have claimed to be a Messiah, people who have claimed to be a, a salvation giver. The problem is when they've died, they stayed dead. Christ gave himself. I'm going to do this. I'm going to break fellowship with the, with the Trinity that I've, that I've had my, since forever. I'm going to lay down my life, and I'm going to raise it again. I'm going to make this payment, and I'm going to have power of sin. So all of us, if we bow the knee to him, we accept the perfect gift that he's placed for us. We have salvation. I mean, it's it's an amazing story. It's an amazing thing to think of, that we can be sinful people, do things that we know are wrong, yet there's a a Savior that doesn't want us to change before he saves us. We have a Savior that says, hey, I know you. I know how terrible you are. Just bow your knee to me. I will save you. I've already made your payment. And I will come in, I will live with you and sup with you. It's an amazing thing. It's, It's just an amazing thing. But it's not just, you know, Jesus is now come, gone, and he ascended to heaven. So he's left somebody here with us. Um, it says, God gives us the Holy Spirit. John 14, oh, let me jump over there too and read this here. John 14, 15 through 27. It says, if you love me, keep my commandments. I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. And he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells within, within you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I'm going to go ahead and just stop there. So I don't know if you've taken a, a, a if you go hiking or if, you, if you've been in the woods or taken journeys or whatever. Um, so, you, you know, we as, we as sinful people who believe in Christ do our best to try to, to think up ways for us to understand who the Holy Spirit is. And so this is a feeble attempt. I admit that. But I mean, if, you, if you've gone into the woods or whatever, it's sometimes better to have a friend with you because you never know what might happen on a long, long trip. It, two can accomplish things a lot better sometimes than one. And you have somebody to talk to, somebody to pass the time away, somebody that's going to be with you to help you make decisions. But also it's nice to have a compass when you're out there to point the direction that you're trying to go. And it's also nice to have out there a comforter so that whenever you're making these journeys and things get difficult, and life can certainly be difficult, it may be more difficult for some of y'all in here than I know, Um, but you have a comforter with you that's going to encourage you and wrap his arm around you and help you through whatever uh, your journey means. So that's Kind of what God has left us here with the Holy Spirit. You're never, you're never alone. Never are we alone. Sometimes, when, especially in this year, 2020 has been one of those years where a lot of people have felt more lonely than any other time in our history, you know, recent history, if you will, because we have been isolated. And, and, and the video thing was great. God bless us for having technology, but that's now starting to dwindle. And and it being alone and feeling alone is a is a it puts you in a desperate situation. When you accept Christ, He gives you the comforter, and you are never alone. It's a wonderful thing. So, if you would, Dale, if you wouldn't tell, bring blast in. So I told you, told you before that we get to uh, we get to open this present. One one of the blessed things I've learned about our pastor, is he never does, very seldom does he do anything in the, up here without an accent. He, he prays and he studies and he puts a lot of work and effort and prayer so he can tell you all about Jesus. And so this present is also kind of in this, it's, 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 not, by, it's not by chance that this perfect present is also the day we're going to do communion. And so as the kids come out in just a moment, I'm going to read Isaiah 53. I'm going to try to say this without getting choked up here. Um, and as I read Isaiah 53, Eli, my son's going to come up and he's going to open up this present. And when you, and when you hear the paper being torn and you see the, the perfect present basically be taken apart, just take a, just take a moment back and imagine or, or let the imagery sink in as to what Christ did for us on the cross. Yes, a humble beginning, but his humble beginning was pointing toward the cross. So Eli, come on up here. And let's open up this present. Let me, let me get my uh, Bible ready to read um, verses 1 through 6. And just to help you a little bit here, like parents sometimes do, this was the hard part, so I'm going to go ahead and clip that for you. So go ahead and open it, buddy. Um, Who has believed our report? And to whom... Has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of the ground, and no form or, or comeliness. And when we see him, there shall be beauty. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid it, our faces from him. He was despised. We did not esteem him. Surely he was born our griefs, he carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we were healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. As a sheep before the shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. Thank you, Eli. You may go sit down, buddy. So we're going to have communion. I was going to do it similar fashion as we've done it in the past, um, over the past few months. And so we're going to do it as with you know as families, however you want to come up uh take a grape and a cracker and once we all get seated um I'll read a passage out of 1 Corinthians and we'll, we'll we'll do this together so come on